All right, well, grab your Bible. We're going to be in Matthew, all right? And I'm going to set this up. Easter, okay, it's coming, Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be a huge celebration. Ultimate victory. Ultimate victory. There's no victory bigger than that. I watched a little Duke last night. That's fine. They won. But, like, there's ultimate victory is Jesus Christ. Everybody else tries to copy that. They try to do this or that. But ultimate victory, Jesus Christ. Okay. And then there's Good Friday, okay, which will be part of this series as well. You're going to want to come to that as well. Um, five different messages. Good Friday's one of them starting today. And that will be about more of the crucifixion, more reflection on what Jesus Christ did for us in dying so it's about his sacrifice. It's about his payment. We need that. We need to sacrifice too, but we needed somebody to sacrifice for us so our sacrifice isn't worthless, right? So Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. Now, we've been on this theme called more and more because we want more of God. There's tons of God to go around, all right? It's not going to be exhausted anytime soon, right? He, he's big. He's vast. And I think what, what God was saying to me this summer when I went away with the preaching calendar is, you know what? People get saved, they go to church, and then they're like, oh, I'm great. There is so much more. All right? So praise God you're saved. Praise God you're here at church. Don't be satisfied. You can be content. But you need to have some kind of like, I want more in you, or you don't really understand what God's all about. God wants to give you so much more, it will make your head spin. And that would be kind of cool today. All right? So, new series is called More and More Jesus. Remember when we were at Christmas? If you're a regular tender, you know. Remember we had Christmas? What was the theme of Christmas? More Jesus. Right? More Jesus. Now it's like, well, we're on Easter time. Okay? Christmas we studied Luke. We've spread out the Gospels around. We started with Mark at the beginning, right? Uh, in the fall. We did Luke, right? Uh, for Christmas. And now we're doing Matthew for Easter. So I've titled it More and More Jesus this Easter. And here's the tagline. Significant events in the life of Jesus. Significant events in the life of Jesus. What we're going to do is we're going to look at significant events in the life of Jesus from now until Easter. And we're going to let them wreck us. Because sometimes we read them in Scripture and we're like, Meh, I've been there, done that, read that. It's God. He came. That's cool. Like, it's amazing. Like, so we have to actually engage with these significant events. And then, hey, sometimes we need to copy. Sometimes we go, I want that in my life. Can I, can I do that? Can we have that? Yeah, I think you can. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So, Let's, let's take what Jesus is doing and let's model it, right? Like, he's this, okay, I want to be like Jesus. That's what we're doing, right? We're followers of Jesus Christ. I want to do that. Okay, so significant events in the life of Jesus. We're going to study the book of Matthew. And if you want more of God, uh, get into the gospel of Matthew. It's going to be amazing. All right, so now, today, <laughs> two significant events. I want to make it really memorable. And I was talking to my wife about this. She's a school teacher. She's like, you got to have a visual. Oh, I got a visual. My wife's amazing. B, both of the things we talk about today are going to start with B. 
The first thing, well, I'm not even going to tell you. Wait, 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 second, second, second on that, second on that. Okay, so here's the thing. I want it to be memorable. Did I mention I want it to be memorable? Okay, hopefully you remember this. Okay, so I want it to be memorable, so at the end of the five weeks, I want you to remember this. What we talked about, but I want you to remember this five-word phrase, okay? It's kind of an acrostic, but, you know, it's just for memory, okay? There's no, no like, I couldn't connect all the dots, okay? <laughs> B, because. P, I'll preach two Ps next week. People, because people, M, two M's, matter. G, God, of course, reconciles. Okay, because people matter, God reconciles. Because people matter, God reconciles. All right, you guys got that? Okay, it's on the screen, let's say it together. Because People matter. God reconciles. I want you to know that at the end of five weeks. And so I'm going to have a letter, B, two B's today, but it also stands for because. Okay? Because people matter, God reconciles. He came for you. Can you believe that? Woo! I can't hardly believe it sometimes. I'm like... For me? Why would you do that? But he did. Okay, now, I opened up this can of reconciliation. So you got your, you got your Bible. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a little, sometimes I like to theme. Sometimes I like to theme a new series and kind of have a theme verse. Well, let this be our theme passage, starting with verse 17. What a powerful passage this is about reconciliation. Because people matter, God reconciles. You're like, well, I don't know. Is that true? Well, here, let me show you. Right here. Okay? Here it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, he's summing up a lot of things he said. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Come on. The old has passed away. That's right. Thank you, Lord. Behold, and when it tries to rear its old ugly head, kick it. Okay. Or let Jesus kick it. Ask him to kick it. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All things, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not just us, others too. Imagine that. We should hand out some cards, okay? Not counting their trespasses against them. That's good news. You don't have to tell somebody, you're a filthy sinner. You got to tell somebody, I know somebody that paid for it all. Come to church, right? That's a different ask. Reconciling us, uh, uh, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them. And entrusting to us, what, me, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. I'm a mouthpiece for Jesus. God making his appeal through us. Do you know that? You're speaking for God. Church, you know, you know that. We've been talking about that. 
We implore you. If I'm yelling online, that's because, you know, there's no sound in the room. So I just want to make sure everybody's hearing us. All right, great. Stay tuned. Turn the volume down. We, we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Because people matter. God reconciles. Not generally. He wants to reconcile you. You, personally. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. To fulfill all righteousness. You'll get to that in a second. All right. Turn over to Matthew. Let's get for it. Let's go for it. All right. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We have seven chapters to cover. I'm not going to cover them all. Everybody's, whoo, good. All right, but I'm going to cover two significant events. Does anybody want to guess? Start with B. Baptism, second one. Beatitude. You must be reading the, the you, you must be reading the, like, Sermon on the Mount. I love it. That, that's where we were. Okay, the birth and the baptism of Jesus Christ. Would you say that's a significant event? Pretty significant? Yeah, his birth is really significant. If he didn't come, we were all a mess forever. But his baptism is significant as well. Let's see it from Scripture, all right? B, that's today. All right, birth and baptism, big events for many people. These are significant events. You remember the day you were born? You guys got it down? You don't remember. You, you, you were a baby. But your parents told you the date. They made sure you knew the date. Every year they celebrated the date until you were like, yeah, I like this thing. The day I was born. This is a good deal. I get presents every year. Maybe I get to take the day off. Put my feet up a little bit. You were born. I was born February 22nd, 1975. Reborn, though. Were you reborn? Because that's a pretty important day, too. you got to have a reborn date. It sounds like a beer commercial all of a sudden. That's weird. You have to have a born-on date or whatever. Reborn date. But this is a real thing. This is a real thing. You were born. I was born. February 22nd, 1975. But I was also reborn. I was born into a Christ. I was born from above. I was Born of God, January 15th, 1992. I was almost 17 years old. Praise God. Were you reborn? I'm going to ask you these questions. I'm going to meddle a little bit. I'm going to put my finger right in there. And if I find a tender spot, I might twist a little. Why? Because I love you. I know God wants to talk to you today. Have you been reborn? Being born is cool. Get a lot of great flesh, okay? But being reborn is awesome. The spirit inside of you, which was dead when you were born, becomes alive. And the spirit is so much more powerful than your flesh. It's so awesome. And then baptism. You guys been baptized? Maybe it was as a baby. 
Maybe you're like, hey, I was baptized as a baby. See, I was born and baptized. It was like, boom, done. It was awesome. Thank you, parents. Maybe it was like me. I got baptized when I was 12 years old. I wasn't saved yet, but I wanted to join the church. And if you, you wanted to join the church, Baptist church, you had to be baptized by immersion. My parents were like, let's join the church. I was like, all right, let's join the church. I didn't know I wasn't saved. I thought if you said a prayer when you were five, you know, and you were just like, yeah, I, got, I like Jesus. I want to go to heaven, I think. That'd be good. With mom and dad? Yes! But there's a little more to it than that. A firm belief in Jesus Christ. Not easy believism. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That didn't happen before that. And so I was baptized twice. But because I was baptized before I was saved, guess what? Got a little twisted, right? Became a pastor. And then I was reading the book of Acts, and I was like, hold on. Simple math. (laughs) Saved plus baptized equals obedient. Hmm, let me think. I need to be baptized after I was saved. So I was like, I need to be baptized. Well, imagine the shame only because I was in the church. Imagine the shame of being a youth pastor and being like, I think I need to be baptized. Sorry, I think I um, had it out of order. (laughs) Whoopsie. They handled it with grace. They said, yeah, let's do it. So January 15th, 2006, I was 30 years old, almost 30. I was baptized by immersion, signifying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Free, cleansed, forgiven. Pretty awesome. You ever done that? If you haven't done that, by the way, we're a portable church, but Next week, we're going to have a big water tank right there. We're going to have water in the service. I'm not joking when I say if you haven't been baptized, you should be baptized next week. Jesus would be pleased with that. He would be pleased with you. Now, I'm not going to twist your arm, and you shouldn't do it if God's not calling you to do it, because then you'll be doing rebaptism like me. Right? You want it to be God's idea, not Steve's. All right? Cool? But we're going to have water, and we don't have water very often. And it's going to be here next week. You can get baptized. So if you want to, let, let us know. Also, I'm just going to extend that because, you know, I believe the Bible says what it says, that y'all can baptize. So if you've been talking to somebody about Jesus, and they accept Christ this week, you bring them and let's baptize them next week. I mean, as in let's, as in you baptize them next week. Okay? There's no, like, special, like, well, if John the Baptist would have baptized me, wouldn't it have been cool? Jesus is like, I'm not going to baptize anymore. I baptize you disciples. You, you baptize. Right? That's, that's what he did. So I don't know where we in the church got like, well, if you're really cool and you stand up front with a jacket and a mic, then you should baptize people. That's not what the scripture says. And I'm not trying to eliminate, eliminate my authority. There's authority here. I'm not, I'm not going to eliminate that. But I'm trying to say you have authority too. Right? And you have the authority to baptize people in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit's name. So I want to empower you to do the things that God asks you to do. So next week there will be water. If there's somebody in your family that needs to be baptized, bring them and baptize them. 
Make sure they're saved. Make sure they're saved. How do you make sure that, oh, man, that was my Baptist roots coming back right there. <laughs> How do you make sure someone's saved exactly? Well, I'll just let you sit in that for a second. How do I make sure somebody's saved? Well, pastor, I don't know about that testimony. I don't know if they're really saved. Did they say they wanted to be saved or not? Did they say I love Jesus? Did they say Jesus is the Son of God or not? They baptized me when I was 12 because I said it all. I said yes twice. Do we believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you want to get baptized? Yes. All right, we're going to do it. Well, we do it a little different here. We say, have you ever sinned? Oh, yeah. We confess our sin, right? We repent of it. That's part of it. Right? I was dead, but I want to be alive. So let me tell you I was dead, right? Sin's first. So you can do this to coach people up for next week. Sin's first. Sin's my problem. Jesus is my answer. All right, so I'm going to die with Jesus, and when I come back up, there's going to be victory, right? So sin's my problem. Jesus is my answer. And now I want something. What do I want? The filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to be powerful in this life, and so I'm asking God to fill me with him. All right, now you're ready for next week. I've empowered you people. You can do your work. I'll do mine, okay? I'm going to be online. I've already been online saying, hey, if you want to baptize somebody, come. Maybe the auditorium will be full next week. Maybe we're talking about next week. Because anybody that wants to get baptized, we'll just do it, right? Providing they say, what? Jesus is Lord. God be the glory. Providing they want Jesus, right? All right, that's it. All right, birth and baptism, pretty important. Did I leave something out? See, I feel like right there is kind of where I stopped in the past. But you'll notice when we look at baptism that there's something more than just water baptism. Jesus says it. John says it. You'll see it. He says, ah, I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is mightier than I is coming, Jesus. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Holy Spirit. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Power. Why do we need fire? Because the Holy Spirit can't be somewhere where sin resides. You need to be burned. You need to be purified. You need to be set free from that sin and re rejoice in being set free from that sin. Right? This isn't like hellfire and brimstone. This is like good fire and brimstone, right? This is like good fire, right? This is like, Holy Spirit, light me up, because I don't want to have that sin that I struggle with. I want to be free. So, in the past I would have stopped short of that, but now I'm saying it because I see it in Scripture clearly, and I want to be obedient, and I hope you want to be obedient too. So there's a lot of different action points today. Were you born? Were you reborn? Were you baptized in water? Were you baptized with the Spirit? Those are the questions. Now you're ready. First, first thing, two significant events. Jesus' birth and Jesus' baptism. Here's the first thing. Number one, point one. Jesus' birth reminds me God wants to be close to me. I want you to sit on that for a second. 
Jesus' birth, chapter 1, Matthew, reminds me that God wants to be close to me. Do you need to be reminded of that sometimes? I do. Sometimes I'm like, God, what are you doing? We sang that song earlier today. What was it like, you'll never let, let, let me down? Was that? Yeah, we sang King of My Heart. Like, we haven't sang that in a while, in a hot minute. But like, we sang that, and it's like, you're never going to let me down. And I was like, that's so true. And yet we don't have speakers. That kind of feels like a letdown. I'm just being honest. When I sing, I'm not dumb. I'm not like, I'm thinking about what I'm singing. I'm like, it kind of feels like a letdown. But then I go back to the song and I'm like, but that's the truth. You're never going to let me down. So then I go back to like, oh, I feel kind of let down. But the truth is, you're never going to let me down. You ever do this in your mind? And then I'm like, well, since he didn't let me down, I guess this is the way it was supposed to go today. This was his best. And I'm going to embrace it and follow it. And not only that, not like, oh, I guess I'll follow you, God. I'm going to jump. Like, I'm in. Let's go. No, no sound, no problem. Let's go. Because he's never going to let us down. Crazy. It's a different kind of perspective right there. We need to gain that because there's a lot of things in your life that you think God's letting you down in. But when you apply the truth that he's never going to let you down, what happens to that thing? You change your perspective about it and you go, well, since he's not letting me down, this is exactly what I need to do. And you walk through it. Praise the Lord. Jesus' birth reminds me that God wants to be close to me. He wants to be close to you. You're like, where do you see that in Scripture? I don't know. God's just kind of far off. Matthew chapter 1. Look at it. Now the birth, verse 18. After all the genealogy, which is pretty cool. I could preach like five messages on that. But what's cool about it? He's the son of Abraham, promised. He's the son of David, promised. And then you get to the bottom. It never says this, but what is he? He's the son of God. Doesn't call him the son of Adam. Doesn't want to be the son of Adam. He's the son of God. All right. Verse 18. After the genealogy, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary had been betrothed, that's engaged, to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now that's unique. Never happened before. Not sure it's ever going to happen again. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man. Praise God that he foresaw that Joseph would be a pure-hearted guy. And unwilling to put her to shame. So many people would just shame, shame right there. Everybody knows your name. All right? But he resolved. I want you to circle that in your Bible. He resolved. He made a decision. Here's what I'm going to do with the factors I have in front of me. He resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, that's what I'm asking you to do this today, isn't it? I'm asking you to consider these things, the birth and the baptism of Jesus. I'm asking you to consider, are you reborn? Are you baptized in water? Are you baptized by the Spirit? I'm asking you to consider. He considered these things. Guess what? If you wait, if you listen, if you're not hasty, well, I'm just going to do it then. Made my decision. You can't tell me any other way. Stubborn. He considered these things. Behold, listen. That's what that means. Listen now, church. God's got some stuff coming on. Right here. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. He could have like, wait, 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 God. Maybe that's why it was a dream, so he couldn't interrupt. Anyways, I just like to think about the Bible. Like, maybe if it was in real time, he would have been like, but just hold on a minute. Like Zachariah. All right, but no, he didn't because maybe it's a dream. Uh, it is a dream. So maybe he's just like, eh, okay, I'm going to get it all at once. Thank you, Lord. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That's unique. Only one person. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Is that a direct order? Pretty much. <laughs> she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I have that highlighted in my Bible, because that's it. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is in Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, the virgin shall con- virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, anybody know? God with us. What's the point again? Jesus' birth reminds me that God wants to be close to me. God wants to be with us. He's like, I'm coming. I don't want to be up here in heaven while you're there. I created Eden, where we gathered, and you threw it away. So how about I create it again? How about I bring heaven and earth together? How about I make a spiritual kingdom in Eden? Maybe not as physical as the first one yet, but definitely as powerful. God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, man, he had resolved. He had made a decision, right? I'm going to divorce her. I'm going to do it quietly. I'm not going to shame her. He had made a decision. Maybe you've made a decision. Maybe you're going to change your mind today. Joseph did. Joseph changed his mind. Look what he woke from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. He obeyed, he obeyed, he obeyed. That's what Joseph did. So I got so many things I want to say here. But just let me boil it down to you quick. We sinned. We're clear on that? We are separated from God. That's what's happening. Read the Old Testament. A lot of violence, a lot of war, a lot of judgment, a lot of punishment. All because of sin. And he says, here's the thing. I'm going to settle this. But I'm going to do it by punishing my own son. So that you can be free and we can have a relationship. I want to be close to you. That's what the birth of Jesus Christ reminds me of. I want to be close to you. I want to be in proximity to you. I want to invade your atmosphere. 
So we were separated from God, but God came and he reached us. I'm not going to turn to it, but Romans 5, 8 through 11 says that. And it uses the word reconciliation too. God demonstrated his love toward us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's precious. That's precious truth. You should hold on to that. So here's the thing. God started this whole thing with Adam and Eve. It's good to have women. It's not good that a man be alone. He started the whole thing with Adam and Eve. And what if God would have done what we normally do when somebody crosses us? What if he would have just drawn a big circle around Adam's name and extra out? That's kind of what we do, right? Cancel culture. I don't like you anymore. I'm leaving. We ain't talking anymore. You're not my friend. What if we did that? What if God did that? God's not like us. See, this is the good news. God's not like us. God kept going to people. He's like, Enoch, let's be friends. <laughs> and Enoch, he never died. He went to be with the Lord because they were friends. I'd like to do that. That'd be cool. Not that I'm scared of death. I just want to be that close to God. That he just says, hey, come on up. Let's go. That ought to give you something to shoot for. Then he says to Abraham, well, what about Noah? He says to Noah, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to wipe it all out. These demons are running wild. <laughs> I'm going to wipe it all out. But I love you. I'll be with you. And then Abraham, then Moses, then David. Well, Samuel, let's throw Samuel in there. Judges, kings, prophets, all of them. God's like, I want to be with you. And we look at the Old Testament, we're like, yeah, but those were special people. They're different than I am. God chose them. They, they had some like DNA or some unique quality or something that was just special about them. Really? You know what's special about them? God chose to be close to them. You know what's special about the birth of Jesus Christ? It's a constant reminder that God chose to be close to you. So if you're not close to God right now, and you're hearing my voice, it's not his fault. Let's just be honest. I said the word fault, didn't I? Now you're like, oh, that's my fault. And that caused shame, didn't it? Sorry, that's not what I was going for. That's not it. All I'm trying to say is God's doing this thing, this relationship with you perfectly. You are doing this relationship thing with God imperfectly. And so you need him to like do both sides. You need him to take control over here where you're messing it up all the time. That connection you have. And then the connection's going to be great. So could you just ask him? Just tell him. Like, I get that you're doing awesome and you're pursuing me and you're close to me, but I want to be close to you. So by your grace, could you activate my faith that we can be like Enoch? Or better? 
Jesus is God in the flesh, sent by God to die for us and save us from our sins because he wants to be close to you. Because he loves you so much, he died for you, for me. Can you believe? Can you believe that? God wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. He wants to be with us. God with us. The question is, have you embraced that? Have you ever, by faith, just said, yeah, I want to be with you too, God. Let's do this thing. It's called love. It's called relationship. Let's go. I'm in. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked God (laughs) to permeate your life? This, This first point is really about looking inside. It's really about looking inside. Seeing my own sin and saying, I don't like it. Looking around me, the people I'm affecting with my own sin, saying, I don't like it. (laughs) And saying, God, I like you. And you like me. Could you take control so that I look a little different inside? Please? All right, his birth. Jesus' birth reminds me that God wants to be close to me. Second thing, Jesus' baptism reminds me (laughs) that God wants me to be close to him. Not only does God want to be close to you, so he came, but he wants you to be close to him. So he's giving you avenues to go closer. He's like, hey, like this, like this. You can come back like this and like this. He's giving you avenues, clear direction to get back to him. Jesus' baptism, flip over to Matthew chapter 3. Jesus' baptism reminds me That God wants me to be close to him. He's like, hey, ball's in your court. I came. You want to come? Come on. This is how you come. You come through belief and being reborn, but you also come through baptism. Isn't that what he said in Acts 2? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Everybody needs that. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. Jesus' baptism reveals that God, or reminds us that God wants me to be close to him. Okay, just, I'm going to skip through this. Uh, in verse one, he said, or verse two, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus starts preaching that same message in the next chapter, which is awesome. He says, they came, they were baptized, they were in the Jordan confessing their sins, right? And then he gets down and he he talks to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I call them the churchy people. The people that are in church, hmm, that might make you churchy people. Because you're in church. And so he talks to churchy people and he's like, hey, listen up, you brood of vipers. Isn't that nice? Name-calling. I guess he wasn't in church. Maybe it was okay. And uh, he was letting them know that what they were believing was not true. If what you're believing is not true, would you want to know? Yeah, I live life like that. God, this is what I think. This is what I've read. This is what I want. Because you say. But if what I'm believing is not true, will you show me? That's the way I live my life. 
That's not shaky. That's a solid foundation. As in listening to the teaching of the Holy Spirit all the time. Not my own rendition. Not somebody in Bible college told me. So he gets done and he's like, hey, here's, here's the deal. Verse 11, it's kind of a summary of the first 10 verses. I baptized with water for repentance, John says. But he who is coming after me, how does he know somebody's coming after him? Somebody tell me. God told him. That's how. That's pretty firm. Okay? You can go, where's that? John First, or no, John 1. Just go to John 1. You'll, you'll read it. Okay? God said, <laughs> one who is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He can't even carry the slippers or the sandals of Jesus. That's how powerful Jesus is. Like, I can carry anybody's shoes. I mean, I can carry Goliath's shoes if you want. What size, what? 28? I got it. You know? Can't carry him. Is he talking about that? He's big? No. It's all symbolic. This guy surpasses me times a million. You think I'm Messiah? Look around. This guy times a million. That's what he's saying. And then he says this. He will baptize you. I don't know if that could be any clearer. That Jesus is going to baptize you. With the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear the threshing floor and gather wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. I want to be burned by God in a good way. I don't want that kind of burning. Right? So I want the first burn. You can burn one way or the other. Right? It can be refined by God in his Holy Spirit. I want that. Please baptize me in the Holy Spirit, Jesus. And then... Or you can just, like, wait till the end, and you can be like, well, you know, guess I'll just let my good works decide. Maybe God will put it on a scale, and, you know, if it adds up, wheat and chaff, I'm going, you got a lot of chaff, and not a ton of wheat other than what Jesus is doing in you. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. So I'm not waiting until it all adds up. I'm going to trust Jesus for what he's given. I want you to notice something. And this is a conundrum to me. In verse 11 he said, I baptize with water for repentance. For repentance. But when he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, notice he doesn't say why or what for. Anybody? You notice that? Why? Why? It was so clear. Well, I baptize you for, with water for repentance. Right over here. We're going to do it. Water, repentance. That's what we're going to do. But he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. But he never says for what. Why not? Maybe he doesn't know for what. Maybe John doesn't have that intel. But guess who does have that intel? Jesus has that intel. And he shares it with you in Acts chapter 1. He shares it with you in John 14 through 17. He shares it with you 
and the apostles share it with you throughout the book of Acts. He gives the intel. Why the baptism of the Holy Spirit? For power? So you will witness. You know what's more powerful than you walking up to your buddy at work and saying, you know what, I really think you should love Jesus. He loves you. That's not a bad way to go. But when he's hurting, heal him. That's power. Like, that's not possible. Only the apostles could do that. You're reading a different Bible than me. I realize that's been interpreted. I realize that's been stated. But I don't think that's true. I think that's on our hardness of heart and unbelief, which Jesus rebuked his disciples about before he left earth. So if you're a disciple of him, you can receive the same rebuke. Don't be hard-hearted. Don't have unbelief. Trust that God says, you know what? I'm going to give you power, and I'm going to let you be witnesses in Jesus' name. And that's going to be accompanied by signs, wonders, miracles, a lot of different manifestations of the Spirit, if you allow. Jesus' baptism reminds me that God wants me to be close to him. He wants me to be close to him. So let's read it. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? How does John know? He's paying attention. But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. Why was Jesus baptized? To fulfill all righteousness. What, what do you mean to fulfill all righteousness? Like, I don't need to be self-righteous? I don't need to have some righteousness of my own? No, no, no. To fulfill all righteousness. Jesus stood in the sinner's line to get baptized like sinners do when he wasn't a sinner. No confession. He didn't have to go like, well, yeah, I did this and I did that. And I did this. He's like, just, hey, baptize me, man. <laughs> I want everybody to know that we're going to fulfill all righteousness right now. So this whole like deal we do as church people where we think we're going to muster up some own righteousness of our own, then you're just emptying the baptism of Jesus of all of its power. Because he fulfilled all righteousness. That's what he said. It's like, let's do this now so we can fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, pay attention now. I love it when they give you a pay attention word. Immediately, like, whoa, okay, where are we going? You know, hold on, buckle up. Immediately, he went up from the water, and behold, look, it's like if immediately wasn't enough, now he's got to listen in there. Behold, listen, woo! Okay, I'm listening, I'm in, I'm in. He's like trying to get your attention. You want to know what's important to God? Yeah, well, after he says immediately and behold, you can just pay attention. Here's what's important to God, three things. <clears throat> the heavens were open to him. Heaven's important. The kingdom of God is important to God. He saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove 
and coming to rest on him. We want to get all worried about the dove and all that. It's like the Holy Spirit came and he rested on Jesus. Just like he says he'll rest on you. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anointing. On. Upon. All the words in Acts. Heaven's important. The kingdom of God is important. A heavenly mentality. Bringing heaven to earth. Okay? Second, the spirit of God is hugely important. And him resting on you is hugely important. And then three, look at it. And behold, another, listen up. The voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You know what? Heaven, mindset, atmosphere, spirit resting on me, and God the Father's approval, his love. These are the things that Jesus says, that John confirms, that Matthew confirms at his baptism are important. Do you have a heaven mindset? Do you have a view of the Holy Spirit that allows him to rest on you? Or is that only for Jesus? And do you know, I think this is where we all get twisted up, how much the Father loves you? Like, literally, if you're in Jesus Christ, I want to just say this to you from God. This is my beloved son or daughter with whom I am well pleased. Can we just soak that in? Can we just hear that for what it is? That's awesome. That's unbelievable. Jesus' baptism reminds me that God wants me to be close to him. And he gives me a way. Through the waters of baptism, repentance. Jesus provides spirit baptism. Just ask. Like, how do I get that? Is there a water tank somewhere? Is there like a secret handshake? Do I like... I don't know. Like, what do we do? Luke 11 is pretty clear. Ask. Will not the Father who loves you give the Holy Spirit to anyone who will ask? That's what he said. It's plain as day. And right before that, they said, hey, teach us how to pray. <laughs> and we're like, well, our Father in heaven is like, keep reading. Parable about impotence. What does that mean? Persistence. He's like, keep asking. And then he says what? For what? What do we ask for? The Holy Spirit. It's not rocket science. I can't get you in water and give you the Holy Spirit. I can lay my hands on you and pray. I can do that. But only Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes people with the Holy Spirit. You know what I think is wrong with church? And church people, they think they know better. Abraham's my father. And I read the scriptures and I go, God's my father. 
and he can rise rocks up to yell his name. So if I don't want any part in the Holy Spirit, then he'll just find somebody else. And it just makes me go, thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending Jesus to come to earth to say, I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. And thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for not just going, I want to be close to you, but hey, you could snuggle up to me. You can come close. You want to come close? All right. Believe. Be baptized. And ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit. All right. I think I've uh, said enough. That's a lot. What should the conclusion be? Let's go home. I think we should go home. I think time's up. That's my normal. But I have resolved in my heart and with the Lord to give an invitation today. Because I don't know if we can get after the bees, birth and baptism, without seeing the clear invitation that God's giving to us. He's like, hey, I'm inviting you. So if I as a pastor want to read all this and blah, 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 and then not go, you want to come? You want to do it? then I'm, I'm a mess. So here it is. I'm just going to read it. I find it helpful to make a decision to mentally decide, I will, I resolve to, just like Joseph did, and then changed his mind and did something else. Right? Maybe you're changing your mind today. That's fine. I find it helpful to move my feet, maybe even kneel before God when I'm making a decision for him. I find it helpful to move my mouth to say what I've decided and to ask for more and more from God. That's what I find helpful. Now, I've come from a lot. I was in some hellfire brimstone churches and uh, in schools. When I was in Christian school, man, I was down the aisle every day at chapel getting re-saved and saved again and saved and saved again. Why? Because I wasn't saved, that's why. And felt that conviction every time, but wouldn't turn it over. I'd say he's clearly inviting you to more through his birth and his baptism today. And I don't really care what time it is. That's the first time you've heard me say that. But I don't care. Because I care more about you. I care about more your, your spirit and your soul. If you would like more of God, you guys could come and play. That might be more slick. I'm just saying a lot of truth today. Oh boy! If you would like, here, let me let me let me do it. If you would like more of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in your life today, okay. Here's what I want you to do. Please ask God. And not only that, ask other believers to pray for you. Would you do that? I mean, you're like, well, God's not here. I'm talking to him. But like, yeah, there's other people that have God in them. And, you know, just pray over one another. Agree together. Right? I want more. Would you pray that I'd have more? Yes, I will. Hey, would you pray that I'd have more? Yes, I will. Let's pray for one another. 
So closing today with people coming to be close to God, you can come here, you can maybe be close to God back there or there or in the balcony. It's not about up front, but sometimes you just need to move your feet and you need to move your mouth to seal a decision, resolve I have. So I don't know if the Holy Spirit's moving you, but man, he was moving me this week to call you to move. So as he plays, as his fingers get sore, as we do our business with the Lord, there's no time restraint. There's no clever handshake or I don't have anything other than the word of God and the spirit of God to give you. And it would be a waste if I tried to give you something else. So that's the invitation. Simply surrender. Ask God to take full control of you. Give all of yourself to Him. He wants to be close to you. He's giving you an avenue to be close to Him. Walk through it. Let me just say this. He's dying to reach you. He is. He died to reach you. Because He loves you so much. All right, come to him. That's it. God, move in this place. We, we are your people, called by your name. Whatever we're deciding today, we want to move to do it. We want to move our mouth. We want to move our feet. We want to get on our knees. We want to pray. Whatever we're going to do, we leave it up to you. In Jesus' name, amen.